episode 221 of Kane's Cast. And Shane Willis, did I miss anything while I was away? A couple things we need to talk about, Michael. Always a few things to talk about. There is no more off-season, Shane. It, it's just gone. But thankfully, there's Stormbrew from R&D Brewing to help get us through that. The presenting sponsor of Kane's Cast. And yes, I might have had one or two on the beach. On the beach. You do look great, my friend. A little color on you. What I like is it takes me 10 days to get this tan. You walk outside today, in 10 minutes you'll be this tan. <laughs> Canadians aren't supposed to get this tan. Well, that's the skin. When you get really see the sun after the winter, it just soaks in quickly. Yeah. Explain <laughs> this one right here. Uh, but nonetheless, all good. But Storm Brew really gets you through any season. Oh, it did. It got and me. we are ready for it to get us through hockey season. Yeah. Got me through the off season. Now I'm ready for hockey season. And again, uh, Storm Brew. You can pick it up at all of your favorite grocery stores. Ask for it by name. If they don't have it, they'll find a way to get it for you. Or even better, go to the brewery. Go to the tap room. I'll have it right there, right yeah. from the source. Which I th- I'm sure we'll talk about it. We might as well kick off the show. We can obviously assume that that's where you're going to buy me lunch because the Canadians yeah. did take home the gold medal in the World Junior Championship. See, I was I was off, you were off of the, the mainland, yeah. so therefore that tournament really didn't happen. Well, it still counts because you made the bet before you <sighs> left the mainland. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Thank you. All right, so I'll take you there for lunch. Done and done. A few things for us to to cover, though. First, uh, I'll give you the uh, the choice here. Do you want to go over the not so good news or the most recent news for the Carolina Hurricanes? Might as well. Let's just start with the bad news. Get out of the way because it happened. I mean, shortly after you left. Yeah, it, it literally happened. The we recorded episode two twenty of Kane's Cast. It went out that day, and then later that night, the news broke about. Max Pacioretty tearing his Achilles. I mean, this is a this is a tough a tough blow to take. Clearly, for the player, this is a tough injury uh, that nobody wants to. If you put it in these terms, nobody's going to sit there and say, "Oh, well, you can catch this break or that." Players want to play. The Canes wanted Max Pacioretty to be here to be a goal scorer to help them offensively. So that put a hole in the lineup. But if you're you're Pacioretty, the if there's a silver lining. He'll be back this season. He is projected to be back by late January, February. So I, I can look at it this way. It'll be like the Canes went out and acquired a goal scorer at the trade deadline to help the team. But this this is a tough injury early on for how the Canes wanted to be structured with what he was fitting into the plans. A goal scorer in the top six, helping out the power play as well. Yeah, extremely disappointing news. I was actually uh, laying in bed that night. My phone started going crazy as – Things started to go out on Twitter, and people were asking me, is this true? Is this true? And obviously, I didn't know. I was at home. I was ready to shut it down for the night. But so disappointing for both sides, as you mentioned, Mike, the organization who expected big things. And for Max Pacioretty, a guy who was excited to be here, he was already in town with his family, training, getting ready to go to be a huge part of this team. And with what he dealt with last year, I know as a player, when you go through a year and you're kind of riddled with injury, you're ready for that fresh start. You're ready to have a big year and get your career back on track. This is an expiring year of Max's contract, and you know how ready he was. And just he was so disappointed um, after it happened. And it's one of those injuries, and everyone talked to me, there's no way to tell. There is no sign to any player that your Achilles is about to go. 
there's just no way to tell that it's it's sore or anything. It just one of those things that just happens. And unfortunately it did off the ice training for Max Pacioretty and you know, the great doctors of this area took care of him um, with a successful surgery. And we can be excited, as you said, Mike, to get a guy back like that at the deadline for this team to continue to make that run at the ultimate goal. Uh, I'm looking for things to make this not uh, as as you know, bad of a news as it could be when you lose a player of that skill. Well, for the good news is we're late months. to the news, so everyone's, well, yeah, pa- everyone's exactly. past that part. Now we're now we're just revisiting it. So, Max, if you're listening, we're sorry that we've got to go back over this. But could one of the positives be for Pacioretty? He moved here. He was already here. He was working out here so he can rehab here. He'll be around the team. It's not like when he's ready to play, he's going to walk into a room and guys are going to be like, who's this guy? He'll be around the team. He'll be around the doctors. He'll be around Bill Berniston and Rod Brindamore. He'll know what's expected the way that, that things are going instead of kind of walking into a room cold. Yeah, and I think getting settled here early as he did with his family was a key part. But as you just mentioned, all of those guys are the best. And they're the best at what they do. So a timeline is one thing when you have an injury. But they give you that with a lot of different windows because we know how good Bill Burns and Doug Bennett are at their jobs and how hard they will work with Max to get him back. And not only to get him back, but to get him back at a better point than he was when the injury happened. So I think being here is going to be exciting for him. Obviously, it's going to be a long stretch of a start of a season for him, but he'll be ready. He's a true professional. He knows what he's going to have to do when he does get back into this lineup. So that's the bad news. No Max Patch ready to start the season that the, the Hurricanes were kind of counting on to be that, that goal scorer and, and add some more offensive punch to this team. But then what do the Carolina Hurricanes do? They turn around, and yesterday, or a few days ago, depending on when you're listening to episode 221 of Canes Cast, they go and sign Paul Stasny. 1,000-plus games played coming off of a 21-goal campaign for Winnipeg. He can play center. He can play wing. He's good in the face-off circle. He's one of those versatile pieces that you can move around the lineup now for the Canes. So just the initial thought when you hear, all right, the Hurricanes have signed Paul Stasny. Well, you have to immediately look at what you mentioned, the amount of games he's played in the National Hockey League and that veteran leadership that you're bringing into the room again. A guy who can win key face-offs. Um, you mentioned scoring 21 goals is huge. That one, I wasn't sure. People started texting me, and I had to go back and look at his stats from last year. I didn't think they were going to be as good as they were for Paul Stassi and Winnipeg last season. So he comes in and will play a key role and gives Rod Brinamore what all coaches like to have is a little bit of a safety net, right? Uh, this guy can play so many different positions. As you mentioned, he can play wing, he can play center, he can kill penalties, he can play on the power play. He's done it all through his yep. entire career. So fitting that piece in, and as he walks in, he goes, where do you want me to play? Doesn't matter to me. Put me with anybody, and I'm going to go out and help this team produce and score some goals for you and, and win hockey games. So another big signing for Don Waddell and his staff, and and key, this is a time of year where people think, oh, who are we going to sign next? It's not the big splash signings. It's those little key signings at true value because at $1.5 million to get this guy with this many games and this many points, it's a great signing for Don Waddell and this organization. Uh, the thing that I look at it as well, it's another 
veteran player who wants to win a Stanley Cup before the career is over. And, and you bring that in the room, and it's another leader. Uh, it's another guy who I think we take for granted how young some of the players are for the Carolina Hurricanes because they've been around the team now for three seasons or how young some of the players are. Like, I look at two, and yes, Barry Kotkaniemi and Andrei Svechnikov. Shane, they, they've just barely passed 21 years old. So you're going to bring in guys like Stasny and Pacioretty and Burns in the lineup, and these are guys who've been in the league forever. So you're just going to learn how to do it the right way being around those guys. And, you know, clearly they've done it because you have other veterans like Jordan Stahl who set that tone, that tempo for the Canes being the captain. But I, I like this mix that you're bringing in. And Stasny, 21 and 24 last year. 21 goals, 24 assists. And I think that there's a bunch of ways that you can use him. I, I know he's a good penalty killer. He used to be a power play performer, can still do that. You can put him where you need to. And this is, like you said, one of those signings that you look at and it's not going to be a huge, you know, splash headline. It's not going to make the cover of any magazines. Do they still make magazines? Uh, but, yeah, yeah. I think so. Maybe. Uh, sure. But it's one of those things where you look at it and you're like, that's a good depth player who you can, if we're just speaking in general terms, I'm going to think he starts on the wing, right? Just how the, the canes are lined up? Yes. I would, I would say yes. Then... So depending on where he slots in, and, and you and I just heard Rod Brindamore speak at one of our great season ticket member breakfasts that our great supporters get to take part of, and you know not getting caught up in the lines. And, yeah. But you have Stastny, and wherever he plays, does he play alongside Jordan Stahl in a shutdown role? But even if he goes down, you think about putting Paul Stastny on the wing if a young Drury's at center yeah. on that line, right? So you have a veteran leader there with a young kid who can continue to help and who's played that position as well. So you look at all the options and what he brings to the table. It's not only those points and those games played, but go back to that veteran leadership of a guy who wants to win that can help those young guys in your locker room. Well, I'd look at that in the same way. Do you put him with Jesperi Kotkaniemi? And he can take some of the pressure off of Kotkaniemi playing in that role, a role or, that he's played in his career. Or jump in and win a faceoff in your defensive zone if, you know, Kokanami is struggling yep. inside the circle that night. He's still going to play center, but he's not winning face-offs. You can be like, hey, let me take this one, right? In a key yep. situation in your own zone, maybe after an icing or something like that. Um, again, so many positives that he brings to the table. Excited to see him get here. The other part I love, and I know what Rod Brindamore loves when he goes into training camp, he wants a high compete and competition on the ice for positions. There's nothing given, and these guys know that. I think that's what is so key about the culture yeah. with guys like Stahl, Aho, Svechnikov. They come to camp to compete. They know their jobs are there, but they come to set the tone, and they want guys competing for those positions. Rod Brindamore wants every young player like Seth Jarvis did to come in and compete to be on this team. Force his hand to put you in the lineup, and it's going to be exciting when it finally does get here. We're close to rookie camp and the rookie tournament, prospects tournament, Mike, here in September. Can't wait. Um, and then the big boys will be here the next week to get things going. So, before you know it, start of the, the season's going to be here. You you look at all the pieces, though, to the puzzle. If you're the head coach, and Rod Brennamore did talk about this this morning, you know, how does everything fit in? Do you want it, when you were coming into a training camp, you know, as a 
I know as a rookie, as a young guy, you want to know, am I on the team and what am I going to do on the team? But if you're the coaching staff, if you're the front office, what are you looking at now? Is it just a bunch of names, one through 17, and play your way into the top 12? Or is it, no, we have the top 12. This is what it's going to be. We're going to go from there. Would you, as a coaching staff, would you rather have everything set? Or what you said, one of the things that this organization likes, we got competition. You want to play on the top line, show me you can play on the top line during our, our training camp, during the preseason. Well, there's no question that inside the coach's office right now, Rod Burnamore has a group of players together on lines. Now, does he walk in every day and move a name in and around? Sure. But the Canes know going in probably who their 23-man roster is going to be. Now, that's not saying during training camp and exhibition game that a kid's going to get a shot to play with Sebastian Ajo as Seth Jarvis did or Jordan Stahl because you have to see where these kids are and you have to see where they rank on your team. But that said, you have to also be honest with all of them and these guys know coming in. They look at the roster. Look how many veterans are here. They know it's going to be tough to break in, but they still want to prove a point to this coaching staff and organization of where they sit, where they sit in their development process. But there are openings. And again, if you make a statement coming in and you play so well and you know the system and you light it up during exhibition, maybe you force the hand of the general manager to make a move to fit you in. Everything is on the table. Nothing is closed door. And I think the one thing that makes Rod Brindamore such a great coach as well is communication and how honest he is with players when they do walk in that locker room. Because he tells them. And that's not a slap in anyone's face. No. To say, here's what I have you slotted. I have you going to Chicago, but you're going to play on the top two lines, but I want to see you compete here in this training camp. And I think that's huge for every player, and they respect that when the head coach comes to them and talks to them because the worst part, I think, for any young players coming in is to have no communication. You come in, you play, and all of a sudden they're like, hey, we're going to send you down. Well, I didn't talk to anybody. But Rod's coaches do such a good job of that with Jeff Daniels, with Tim Gleason, the goalie coaches, even management, going into the locker room and talking to these young players, making sure they feel comfortable. But they know the path. And as a young player, I think if you know they're saying, here's what we're going to do. You're going to be in Chicago this year. You're going to play on the top line. You're probably going to get called up a few times because of injuries. But we want you to be a dominant leader there, light it up, and then this is where we have you set for next year. Players can respect that, and it allows you to kind of alleviate stress, if you will, so you can focus on one thing and know that you're not always thinking, what am I doing, what am I doing? That that affects your game day in and day out. So I think communication with this organization is a big part of what they're doing. Does that change, though, over the years as a player? And when I say does that change, like as you, if you're a rookie, sometimes you can't process, well, why am I not good enough to be here? Why are you sending me? You're telling me that you're going to do this, but the why. And even if you give a firm why, it, is it harder for a younger player? Because most of these guys, and you know it, Shane, dominated. Dominated in juniors or dominated at college. They're high draft picks or first or second round picks. Is the why harder to swallow as a rookie or when you're a veteran and you've been in the league and now you're hearing, well, you're not slotted here. This is what we think we're going to do with you. Where does it does it get easier to process process that information? Or as a competitor, it's never easy to process that information. I think it's 
and this is only my take, I think it's easier as a young player because it is quite easy to see once you jump into an exhibition game and you see the speed and size of these guys in this league, the best league in the world, and you can kind of take it back and be like, whoa. You know, so I think it's easier for a young player to realize, yeah, I got some work too. I got to put on, you know, five, 10 pounds of muscle. I got to do this. And you take that. And to me, that's what is the sign of a great young player is they, they do absorb they and they figure it out quick, right? They're mature enough to take it as a positive reinforcement and then go do it. The ones who are like, ah, oh, this is called their agents nonstop. Those are the ones that probably never make it because they never mature enough to actually see the truth. They're living in, Fantasy Island, yeah. if you will, um, with Tito or whatever. What's the guy's tattoo? Tattoo, <laughs> um, and Mister and Mister Rourke. Yes. Yeah, so now going back to the veteran players, that's harder to swallow because when you start getting told that, a couple things come into play. One, you're getting older. Two, your game is slowing down, if you will. And what is around the corner from that, Mike, is you can see the end of the end of the road, if you will, as you get an H. And you want to play. You don't want to sit there and... And that's a hard pill to swallow reality of saying, my journey's been so awesome, but now I'm sliding. Because you know the next step. Once you slide down the lineup, then it's over. Yeah. Okay. That's, to me, that's harder to swallow... For an older guy. But going into a team, you want to know where you stand, though. So No question. That's what this organization does so well. They let everybody know, this is the path. This is where we see you. But that doesn't mean that you can't change our opinion, that you can't force your way to more minutes or what Seth Jarvis did last year to what? being on the lineup, to, and then we'll move you up the lineup. To playing on the first line. I th- and I think that's the exact message that Rod Brindamore probably gave Paul Stastny. Here's where I have you starting. Does that mean anything once camp starts? Not really. I'm just talking to you today on, you know, August 23rd. This is where I have you starting. But this is where I want to see you get to. Yep. But I might I might use you here, you know. And so Stastny knows that coming in, what his coach expects. And he knows what this organization is about already because of those phone calls three weeks before training camp. So that's where the Canes are. They add Paul Stasny. Uh, they also made another addition, but it's to the minor leagues, and it's to the Chicago Wolves. Uh, they needed a head coach as Ryan Worsofsky has moved on to be an assistant coach in the NHL with the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, congratulations to Ryan. Um, you can see him being a head coach in the league someday, can't you? Everything that I know about him and what I've heard about him from not only this organization, but from other people around the American Hockey League around the hockey world is this guy is the real deal, legit. He gets the game, he prepares for the game, and he gets his team to play at a level. I mean, winning championships is what it's all about, which he did last year. Getting your team to play at that certain level, but you have to take a step. Everyone thinks, oh, well, you didn't get a head coaching job. It's a, it's still a process for a coach, Yeah, right? You come in to an organization that is pretty soon to start to me in a building mode um, with Dan Quinn as the head coach. But, again, who are the guys that usually get fired? Right? Usually it's the head coach. And then they turn and look and be like, can the assistant coach do that job better? It's very rare that you see a full cleaning of the house. True. (laughs) So, 
I'd rather be an assistant coach, a little safety net. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> yes. Uh, although I think that with Dan Quinn taking over, that there's a little bit of runway for that coaching staff. Oh, yeah. But you are right that if they don't get the plane off the ground fast enough and they need to make a change during the, the season. The clock is already ticking. Oh, yeah. Coaches know. It's, it's the one profession that you know that you're hired to be fired. Yeah. Like, that's very, very few coaches the right there. own is ticket. The recycle bin is unreal for coaching. <laughs> All right, that's going to send us to a different topic. <laughs> Which uh, we've talked about a few times. But at some point, what is it going to take to say we need to do something different? Like why? And it's not just the NHL. You take a look at basketball, the NBA. Like everybody who's a head coach, I think, has been a head coach someplace else. Like football. For a long time. Football. Now, I think the difference in football is that none of these guys want to leave college because they get paid so much to be in well, they used college to. Football. They used to, but then when you see guys who were really good in college be terrible in the NFL, yeah. Urban yeah, a Meyer. different reasons, yeah. yeah. Urban Meyer for lots of reasons. Yes, whoops. Steve Spurrier, it didn't work out for him in Washington. Nick Saban, he leaves, he leaves LSU to go to Miami, goes from Miami to Alabama. By the way, nothing wrong with being a great college coach. No. Being one of the best of all time. I, I get the, hey, can I do it? Can I, can I be the best in the best league? Jimmy Johnson is one of the few guys mm. that I look at who made the jump from college to the NFL, and it clicked, you know, quickly. Although he did have a one in fifteen year, people kind of forget that. Yeah, I don't know sort why, when it will change. I don't know what it's going to take. But it's it, I know what it's going to take. It's going to take a team, one, an organization that takes the, I guess, if you want to say, risk, and bringing a young guy. But then it's twofold: that young guy wins. But. Is it already maybe changing and we got to recognize it? Because we've talked about these two names before, one quite a bit, who's Rod Brindamore. Mm-hmm. But then what Montreal did with Marty St. Louis, where they looked over the fence and said, all right, he's never coached anywhere outside of you know his kids' U13. U13 yeah, <laughs> U13 team. And now he's coaching an NHL team and getting these guys to, to respond and play. Could that be the change in the NHL, which is we're going to go with the experience of a player? Because – I, I just think the way that sport is coached now, you can't do it like it was done when we were coming up Well, not, and the guys before that. But not every player can do it either. That I is think, also true. I think we all sit here as former players and think we can. But, again, being around it enough and talking with Rod a lot is a lot of guys don't understand what's behind it, you know. It's not just oh yeah showing up and blowing the whistle. You know, there's a lot of hard work these guys put in, and I think – Every player looks at it, and there's only a few that actually get it. Marty St. Louis, one of those guys who's a great teacher and knowledge of the game, um, and then trying to get a locker room to respond. Well, normally the, the process used to be great player or player, now you're going to become a general manager. Mm. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll put the roster together. I know what the roster should look like. Because coaching, eh, not a lot of days off. No. Enjoy them when you get them. Correct. And as we mentioned, it is that profession. So we say this, and now we congratulate Brock Sheehan. Can hey. Congratulations, Brock, as he has been named the head coach of the Chicago Wolves, the Canes AHL affiliate. Uh, he's had quite the resume uh, coming from the Chicago Steel. Two championships under his belt. Yeah. He's got two Anderson Cups and a Clark Cup in three seasons, meaning that they win championships under him. That's That's pretty good. And his ability to... He played the game, but he didn't get to the NHL level. Uh, sometimes there is, for me, 
that advantage of a guy knowing, hey, I've bounced around. I know how hard it is to get anywhere near the league. But he's worked with younger players to get them ready to move to the next level. And you take a look at the pedigree of guys who have played for the Chicago Steel, who have moved up through the USHL and moved up to the AHL, NHL. drafted in the NHL, playing in the NHL. It's a good league. And if you yeah. can win in that league, you're doing something right. That is one of the premier organizations in the USHL um, of how they run things at a professional level and take care of their players. And that's what it takes to find success. You have to surround your players with the best. And they do that there in Chicago for the steel along with their head coach. And now he's going to get an opportunity to prove himself at the next level uh, along with Patty Dwyer back beside him on the bench. And uh, to see if the Chicago wolves dare to say it, go back to back. We'll see. I mean, they're going to have a deep roster again. And the Carolina Hurricanes have a deep roster again. So with that, I'll turn it over to the people. Turn it over to the people. Here we go. Of Twitter. Uh, this comes from Timmy with the Stasny signing. Where do you see him getting used initially? Obviously, his highest value is as a center. But with Ajo, Code Kanyemi, Stahl, Drury, where does he fit? Do we use him on the wing? Push Drury to the wing or back to the AHL. Thanks. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I think we kind of touched on this. I think he starts on the wing. I do too. And again, I think it. Some of this depends on the play of other players, mm -hmm. as you talked about earlier. Um, with Kasha coming in on the wing, does he start with Stahl? Does he start with Kokaniemi? Where does Rod Brindmore start? Andrei Svechnikov. I think that Stasny's left-handed. Yeah, he's going to play left wing. Can he play right wing? Does it matter to that guy? Yeah, that's a that's again. A does question. he put him alongside Drury on that line to mentor and protect, if you will? Or which Drury doesn't need protect. No, no. But in a veteran support role. Yeah, same again. Same thing. Does he put him next to Coach Kenyemi? And who do you have as the other winger with them? Do you right. give? I mean, do you give Marty Natchez that? that spot where you might want a veteran or like Paul or Stasny does, or does Svech play there too, because Stasny can pass. There you go. Lots a lot of, of options. options. A lot of options. I mean, everything we just said means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Rod, we trust you. Exactly. Uh, this from uh, Tinezo. Does a player give information to their new team about their former team that could give that team an advantage? <laughs> For example, Chocheck giving the Rangers information that will help them when they play against us. Thanks for doing these over the summer. Great job as always. Can't wait to see you both. That's that's a good question. Because I've never, I mean, I was traded once to Tampa, but the coach didn't pull me in and be like, give me all the behind the scenes of the Carolina Hurricanes. But I think where it comes up, and it's not right at the forefront, but when you're, say when the Rangers are preparing to play the Canes, they have enough video on it. They may... Talk about something that the Canes do and be like, Troach, is that what we are, we are we on point with that? And he may just chime in and be like, they look to do this a little bit more. Watch for this guy in this situation. Uh, I think it's not really schematics that they go over or the playbook because Rod says it all the time. There are no secrets anymore. Everybody no. knows what everybody wants to do. It's not like if the Canes pulled in a guy from the Washington Capitals and go, so what are they looking to do on the power play? 
I think we all know what they want to do on the power play. Well, they try and use Ovechkin the same way. But <laughs> but when you bring in that that player, I think it's more towards the the last thing you were saying, Shane. It's like, well, this guy likes this. It, yeah. And you can get into His tendencies, tendencies to go on here. players. Yeah. Yes. Like he's going to if he has it here, if he has the puck here, he's going to shoot or he's looking to pass right. or or X, the, y, and Z. even the little thing on a defenseman, he has trouble going left, right? He in practices that's yep. his that's his bad side, you know. He, or the goalies, the goalies, right? And again, goalies don't go full out in practice all the time. But if you see a tendency of where the goalie's weakness is, or other things like you know, if you can, if you talk to this guy, you can get in his head. Yeah, oh yeah, you know, one of the, like one Rattle of those the things. cage early. So, but you you know when you we're gonna see it coming up in the NFL. You watch between the end of the preseason and week one, a bunch of guys get cut and say the Panthers are playing the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers cut a guy. The Panthers will sign him. And they're going to go, all right, go over, go over what's going on. Because new head coach in Tampa, it's our first week. New head coach. How does Brady look? X, Y, Z. Are they going to start Brady? Does he like to throw? (laughs) (laughs) Is he good under the two-minute warning? (laughs) Is this Giselle thing rattling him? <laughs> uh, so, uh, but it, it's. I think it's a really good question. But I, is I mad at the price of avocados. <laughs> <laughs> Did he buy a farm? <laughs> should we? Should we have all of our defensive linemen cover themselves in guacamole? Uh, it's just one of those situations where I think it used to be more. Okay, tell us what they do and how they do it. And now it's they bring in the players, yeah. They'll they'll give away trade yeah. secrets, but at the same time, you know, it's asked. I remember Frederick Anderson was asked about it, like, well, do you tell the guys what they want to do? Well, everybody knows what Austin Matthews is gonna do. Yeah, you know, he's got a rocket. Yeah. So but it's it's a good question. I think it's more I think it's evolved more towards players telling other players in the room the tendencies and like sitting down with a coaching staff and except maybe like you said, going over film. Stopping it. Troach, you were on the power play. What are they looking for here? Yep. Do we have it right? So, good one right there. Uh, let's see. Along the same lines on the the Paul Stastny question, but a different spin to it. What can we expect out of the newest member, Paul Stastny? Is he going to be a replacement for the injured Max Pacioretty? And then, hi, no social media shame. Which I, I'm not, that is not a thing. That's not going to happen. No. They're, no, they're trying to get it. Like a hashtag, you'll never see it. You're not on Twitter. They can say hi to you. Just say hi to Shane. I can just give you the hello back on the pod. That's fine. That's all you need to do. Thank you. Move on. But again, I think it's something that it's another piece, an asset to Rod Brennamore. But I I would not look at him as he's a replacement for Max Pacioretty. I think they're different players. Paul Stasny even said it. He played with Max Pacioretty. Yeah, in Vegas. I wish. I wish you should have asked Rod this morning where who he had Patch playing with before this happened. I was going to actually ask him because there was a question about the lines, mm. and I go, "So the natural next question, Rod, is what are the lines?" Yes, but I. I didn't want he him would have to, got the look. He was three feet away from me. I didn't <laughs> want to get the pummel this early in the morning. <laughs> Not ready for it. Um, um, yeah, I don't think. Um, you know, you look at the no, lines what, what at, are, the, at the end of last year. Yeah, Jarvis. But just, but just asking, what do you expect out of him? I expect between 15 and 20 goals and between 40 and 50 points. 
Like that's what I expect out of out of Paul twenty five would be awesome. Oh, that'd be phenomenal. We'll take it because when, again, I don't think Stassi has played with anyone on our team. Not so. No. I mean, who knows where the chemistry lands? That's one thing Rod mentioned this morning. Who who finds that chemistry and how long can you ride the wave? At some point, and he said it, no one plays together all year. No, not anymore. No, I mean that. I it's, it just dries up. But it's so hard. And you got to re-energize. It's so hard to break people out of their thought process. Mm-hmm. Because for years, this line played together. That's what they do. This is the first line. This is the first line. <laughs> this is the second line. But, you know, these lines, you don't break up these lines. Well, the way the game is played today, you break up the lines. You have to. You have to find different looks. You have to get them away from other teams' lines. There you go. Um. And to me, it's one of those huge assets that Rod now has. Oh, what do lines look like now? You know, when he goes over to the Invisalign Arena and gets back to that whiteboard, he's moved a few pieces around. Sure. How we play with this guy. But we won't know for another three weeks how that'll look. All right. This question really more for you, Shane, from Marcus. How do players deal with the jet lag of traveling east to west and back? Now, I, I, can't, I can't talk for the players, but... For me, generally, I think for most people, going east to west isn't the problem. It throws your clock off a little bit because... You're gaining time. Yeah. So you're like, oh, it's, you know, 7 o'clock. It's actually 10 o'clock. But I think it's when you come back, it's harder when you lose time. And then now you got to play catch up. And we talk about preparation all the time. And, again, they usually don't have a bunch of days to prepare for that trip um, before they head out west. But if you do... I do know players try to start adjusting their bodies to that time zone. So you're going to bed a little bit later. Um, you know, you're eating at different times. Try and get your body set to that. Because I think that is always the biggest question. Your body's going, what are you doing? You know, why are we eating right now? Um, and you have to adjust quickly. But these players are elite athletes for a reason. It's about how they energize their bodies, what they're putting in, how they're stretching. Again, Technology helps. They have all these different things they can throw on their legs that help, you know, get the lactic acid out, everything like that. These guys are the best at what they do, again, along with Bill Berniston. This is Bill Berniston coming to you live from the Canes locker room. And Dougie Bennett. All the things they have, massage guns, the masseuse that goes with the team to make sure guys are ready. Yep. But it goes back to the number one thing. Your body is a temple, and what you're putting in and what you're doing with it affects how you're playing. And these guys know that. And when you're going on trips like this, you have to be very, very careful. Yeah, and, and a shout-out to the rest of the training staff, Matt Aiello, who uh, is a, again, athletic trainer. I need uh, to start in uh, Mikey Morazka, the, yeah. ther- the, mar- the massage therapist. Yeah, Matty, I mean, not enough credit. I'm going to start no. talking about him more because I was standing there last year during the playoffs. Uh, you and I were on the road with the team in Boston. And I, I was just standing there, and all of a sudden, he goes, here you go. I'm like, what is this? He goes, you look like you need a coffee. Brings me a coffee out of the room. I said, number one, man, I appreciate that. Do I look that bad? <laughs> what was his answer? He said, no, you look great. <laughs> uh, I don't want to tell you what he brought out of the room to try to make <laughs> me look good, so... <laughs> Because it's it's not invented I, I've yet. I've never been asked by the masseuse if I need a massage. No. I'm just still waiting. No. Well, <laughs> you know, you're not a player anymore. 
You're going to be waiting on that one. I know. So you know. I think you and I should get in there early one day, and when the boys come in, we're in the hot tub. <laughs> hey, boys. <laughs> Take an executive? Yeah. Dougie Bennett would die laughing if he came in and we were in there. What's going on, guys? Hey, what's going on? Top of the morning. We got a storm brew for you. <laughs> I don't know if you can have that. Your internal body clock isn't uh, ready for it, but 5 o'clock somewhere, everybody. <laughs> storm brew, by the way, proud sponsor and presenting sponsor here of the Canes cast. Good way to work that one in. Thank you. You're welcome. Wait, Thank you. Yes. Got a bunch of people saying that. Uh, what was what was easier? And again, the players today, the fitness, everything that they have, the the diet, everything's kind of handled for them to get to it. So I don't know if it's as big of a deal as it used to be. I think when you're crossing time zones during a trip, like when we're playing in the Central, now you're going to play in the Mountain, and now we're going Pacific and then back. The hardest like that screws with me. you a little bit. Last year was when you guys were coming home from Seattle and you made a pit stop in Philly on Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving. Yeah. What that would have been the players during that game. I was sitting at home being like, they got to just be like, run the clock. Like this is brutal. That and that it was an game, afternoon game too. Correct. That game. I, I circled. I'm like, we may get slaughtered. Nope. We didn't. But knowing the players bodies and what that trip does to you. Brutal. Yeah. That, that was no good. But for you, was it easier to go east to west or come back west to east um east to west was easier and it's amazing mike we talk about this all the time and it's not a myth why when teams come home from trips especially from the west that first home game is brutal right it's not the first day after you're like i feel kind of good usually it's that second day when there's a game coming your body's like hey can we just sleep today no it's rebound time yep that is always, we always talk about it. Oh, that first game after the road trip, look out. But, again, preparation is huge, what they're doing. Uh, but that is coming home from the West. The first game back on the East is always the hardest. Uh, this is from Darby. Is this Darby? I don't know. And that's what it says here. Shane, who was your favorite person to play with? Um, In the NHL would have been my line mates here who, you know, my rookie season was Rod Brindamore and Marty Jelena. I think I couldn't have asked for two guys when you wonder what you're going to get. Maybe, well, we know Rod, but I put Marty Jelena in the same category of hardest working guys. I mean, just a good, good guy um, and really took care of me. Um, my next favorite guy, I'm going to go back to my, when I started my career in the minor leagues and we went back all the way into junior together, Byron Ritchie, who was a part of the Hurricanes organization back in the day, um, he was my centerman. We just had the chemistry that you don't know why you have it, but it was just like spaghetti and meatballs. So Byron Ritchie's up there. Good comment. Rod Brindamore, Marty Jones at first, and my great friend Byron Ritchie. Uh, this from Taylor. Which off-season signing do you believe will impact the Canes most and why? All right, let's break this down in two ways because there's off-season trades mm. and now there's mm. off-season signings. I think so, she just means in general. I know, but we can break it down in two categories. Okay. So in signings, yes, we can go with Paul Stasny. Right? That's, that's your pick? No, Andre Kasha. I'm okay. just saying these oh, are – we're listing them up. We're okay. listing as, as signings, like Same guys pick. who they bring in. Okay. And you can say that can be part of it. Trades mm-hmm. – it was Patch Reddy and Dylan Coughlin, mm-hmm. and then Brent Burns. Mm-hmm. Those are the, the big trades that are out there. Yes. So I would have told you 
And I still might want to stay with it. Andre Kasha, if he can stay healthy. That's a sneaky, that's another one of those sneaky, under the radar signings of a guy who he just hasn't been able to put it together for health reasons consistently, but he's shown he can score 20 in the league. Yeah. He can be on the power play. Yeah. Um, I mean, Again, I'll play it safe and say Stassi. Yeah, for the for, yeah. for the for the signing, uh, I mean, if that didn't happen, I would have gone right. with Kasha. You know, the Canes did have the safe some. signing, but I agree with you. The upside of Andre Kasha yeah. is a hidden one that we're all waiting. That's one of the when you anticipate training camp, that's one guy. Yeah, that I can't wait to see if if he stays healthy. Again, a guy who can score twenty goals yeah. and, and help out that way. Trade, uh, even though. Max Pacioretty and Dylan Coughlin, I, I don't sleep on Dylan Coughlin either. Mm-hmm. I think that he's going to have yeah. a pretty a pretty decent role when it's all said and done with the Canes on the blue line. Uh, Pacioretty was brought in to score, but, I mean, Brent Burns, to, yeah. he's going to be on your number one defensive pairing. He's going to quarterback the power play. I was at um, Invisalign yesterday morning, and, and Brent Burns is here. He's settled in. The family's here. The way this guy works, and it, it, it was funny when everyone – when we made the trade, I was like, oh, this guy's, what are we doing? He's 37. <laughs> wait, no. wait to see the guy. No. Wait to see how he works. Uh, it is, he is a physical specimen. And by the way, he can shoot it. I mean, a rocket. So you're telling me he's got a cannon? We, we haven't had the pleasure of seeing Brent Burns very often because he played in the West. This guy has an absolute... Cannon. Cannon. So be ready to see that, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I'm ready. I think everybody is ready for it. If it hits you, it leaves a two-inch hole coming out the other <laughs> side. <laughs> so there you go. We answered both signing and trade. Yeah, we did. So, uh, I again, just the Andre Kasha thing. Nobody's really talked about it. I think that's just going to be one of those things I think where it will be good for him, too. I mean, he had a decent year in Toronto last year. And now he comes down here, and there's not as much scrutiny to, oh, he did this last year. And you know the Toronto media, the Canadian media with that. Well, he did this last year. Now you got to do better. Sometimes uh, one of the best things I heard about rookies or players who you signed in their second year of their contract, a successful year is having as good a year as their first year, meaning there's no regression. But you don't have to. Sophomore slump. Yeah, but you don't. I mean, everybody says you got to keep building on it, but. You just continue to add to it. Uh, this question from Stephen Woodrum. What are the chances that Derek Stepan hangs around? Can he with payroll constraints? Well, Man, he's on a professional. A in here? He's, on a, he's on a professional tryout. Mike, so he'll, Mike and I were talking about this before the show. People know. So they've got, uh, they've got good ideas and good questions. That's why we have Kane's cast. And uh, again, on a tryout, but Derek Stepan knows what he brings to the table. I mean, he brought it every time he got put in a lineup last year. Um. And he'll be excited to get back out there and try and play a role again. If it's the same role, again, the veteran players yep. understand that. But the other thing that veteran players bring is when they do get the tap, they're always ready because they understand and know how to play the game. And Derek Stepan, great person, yes, great teammate, yes, ultimate professional that we heard from the head coach all year last season will be the exact same when training camp enters. And in that limited role. He did produce, and you know he's one of those guys that, in when you're around it, you you pull for. You want to see him on a team. I think the game is better when you have players like Derek Stepan in it, and 
If there's a role for him with the Hurricanes, you know he wants to be here. So if there's a role for him with his team, I'm sure that they'll figure it out. They'll figure out a way to get it done. But the salary cap, especially now with bringing in Paul Stastny, there's some cap gymnastics that still need to be done. But uh, we'll figure that if a player like Derek Stepan comes into training camp, you know he's going to play a lot in the preseason, Shane. So the Canes can get a look at him yeah. and give not, him a look. Give him a look if somebody else wants him. How many veterans want to do three and three? Playing in those. He'll probably do two and three. <laughs> no, I'm saying he'll get put in them. But there's some <laughs> other guys that'll be like, no thanks. Uh, this from uh, Richie Stevens, R to the itchy. What information will you be looking for to come from training camp? And how much do you let that influence your perspective on the upcoming season? Eh. It's hard. There's always there's always somebody who breaks out in training camp or has a great preseason. But you never see, like I said, there's three games in a row to start exhibition. Right. You're not going to see after those after those three games go by. That's when I start paying attention because Rod will start putting the lines together for your last couple to see what you really have and 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 really put the team moving in the right direction. I'm going to go specific. The third D pairing, who's it going to be? Who's it going to consist of? Good competition there. Yeah, is it? I think it's going to be some combination, and it's it's what we have right now uh, is looking at the Canes roster, but I think that Dylan Coughlin's going to be maybe a constant on that, and then it's who gets that other position. Is it Ethan Bear, who I think the team will give every chance to do that, mm-hmm. Jalen Chatfield, mm-hmm. who showed that he could play and play at the NHL level last year, who the Canes gave a deal this offseason, or you watch. I'm going to be watching that pairing, that combination, to see how that looks. Because it's going to be two right-shot D that will be playing on that third pair because all three of those players are right-handed. So that'll be that's one of the things that I'll be looking for coming out of training camp. But other than that, you know, goalies, you can't judge them based on preseason games. You just can't. Uh, as far as the lines go, it's what Shane just said. You're not going to get a real good look at the lines until after that third preseason game and maybe even after the fourth one. You're not going to know. So... I don't think that it. I don't think it really clouds anything coming out. The other guy would be a William Legison. Mm-hmm. You know the Can- the Canes picked up on D, but yeah, I mean, you're looking for things and the pace and what I'm looking for is when when you do look at these exhibition games, who has some chemistry? You'll you'll see yeah. Rod put a line together. What do they do in that game? How do they play together? Look for those little things. I never put any stock in preseason results in anything either. So like a game can be six to two and you're like, oh that was great. And maybe the other team wasn't. Yeah, or it could the other be team iced all rookies. Yeah. Or it could be six to two the other way. And I'm like, well I gotta see who did they play against in in that two, you know, how did that look? And one question we get a lot, I think when fans watch the game, a little insight, you do have to dress a minimum number of veterans right. in your lineup. For you, the fans. No one wants to see the American Hockey League team playing an entire exhibition game. So you have to dress a minimum, I want to say, of 11? It, it had to be. It's something along the lines of veteran experience or played X amount of games the year before. Correct. So Correct. I think it's, yeah, I think it's 11 have to fit that criteria. And yeah. then the other nine skaters can be whatever you want it to be. Shane, another one more for you. This is from Steve. What is it like physically and mentally for an NHL player to play back-to-backs, three out of four, four out of five? 
Is there an accumulation of fatigue? Does it really matter? Uh, yes. There's no question it does matter. I think, again, elite level training that these guys do now, and then recovery and preparation. I truly believe it's the mental fatigue that is harder than the physical because these guys are specimens. They can go, um, you know, play physical, and they really does the physical strain doesn't hit you until the final buzzer goes, and then your body kind of goes, oof. You can kind of keep it up. But what you see in those games, and usually if one turns quickly early in a game, it's not glaring physical mistakes, right? They are mental mistakes, a guy out of position, a bad pass, not ready for a bounce, whatever, not reading a play correctly that costs you. And so to me, I think when you're in those stretches, it is that mental strain and fatigue that affects the player and the game more than the physical part of it. Back-to-backs, I think everybody freaks out about that. Travel can make a back-to-back difficult, but I've heard Rod Brindamore say this. The players say it. I got to think as a former player, I would rather play back-to-back. Let's just keep playing instead of play, practice, play, you know, do the, the three and four. Back-to-back. Do one of those. Back-to-backs, I don't think they are as daunting as they used to be. They're not as bad. And when you talk about a three and four, I'd rather play three and three because the day in between just throws your rhythm off. Um, But, yeah, to me, mentally, it's that. And we Rod talks about it all the time, the mental strain that these guys are under to wind yourself up. Physically, you're wound up all mm-hmm. the time. But to make not make those mistakes because the game moves so fast – they can cost you in big ways during those games. Uh, this from Howie. Welcome back. Hope you had a great vacation. A lot of Canes uniform discussion the other day on Twitter for some reason. Uh, by the way, this is a bigger question for you. The uniform you wear matter. You know what I mean? To the player? Yeah. Like, was there a certain, like, if you liked one jersey better than the other? No. You played better in that? No, not the jersey. It was always the building. Some players love playing in certain buildings. So... Uh, this kind of this pertains to you as well. When you're calling games, which uniform is the easiest for you to track for the players? For the mm-hmm. for the Hurricanes, for me, believe it or not, it's the white because the red numbers are easier to pick Pop up on the back. Bit, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't think any of them make a difference in in my role as you know in the intermissions. I get to watch replays <laughs> a couple times before you even see me talking about it. So, uh, your job is much more difficult. Right. But yeah, it'll be. An interesting year. 25th anniversary for the Carolina Hurricanes. Yes. You'll see some unique and exciting things coming from our marketing department. And, and what this organization continues to do is not only provide great product on the ice, but great products for our fans. Uh, I know that some people are going to be a little bit upset that the home uniform will be going to what was the alternative, the third jersey, the black jersey, and the red jerseys kind of going away. I love those black jerseys. Yeah, I, mean, uh, I think when they, them. everyone thinks they're sleek and the way they look when the you know black helmets, black pants. I love the look of the black, um, and the red jersey is not going away away. Um, but again, when you talk about twenty fifth anniversary, they're going to do some cool things yeah. that you're going to be excited about. Trust me, trust Shane, trust us, trust Rod, and all of us. We're here for you. Uh, but yeah, the the road jerseys are the easiest one for me because the. The red kind of pops off uh, the back a little bit easier. But, you know, when you get to that point, uh, yeah, I'm trying to pick up numbers 
as best you can, but you try to pick up the things you, you were watching when you're calling the game, right-handed, left-handed. You try to pick that up quickly. Well, and guys have tendencies. Yeah. You can tell where guy how guys skate. To me, in your role, Mike, and what amazes me and how well you do mm-hmm. each and every night, along with other announcers around the league, is it's the opposing team. You don't see them every day, right? So on a back-to-back where you call games, say it's Canes, Philly, in Carolina, you get on a plane and fly up, and all of a sudden it's Canes, Rangers, right? To flip yeah. from Flyers to Rangers, that's what you always, you see the Canes every day. Just homework. Yeah. But never very good at that. That said, <laughs> I need to I need to say something, and Ranger fans are going to lose their mind over this. I love the Rangers uniforms. You know the classic that, that they have. Evidently, they uh, they invent they invented the diagonal. Oh, they did for the words. Evidently, oh. uh, that's what I've been told. I love, and I've always loved the look of their uniforms. They are the absolute worst uniforms to call because of the way that the numbers are shaded. Every number looks the same. Yeah, the red on blue too. Mm-hmm. Or if they the, do shade it with a little bit of black. Yeah, and white. or white. Yeah. Oh yeah. no, no. I'm just saying the shading. Yeah. You're looking like is that a two? Is that a seven? Is that a one? Did you ever see is that a niner? Um, did you ever see our original jersey? My rookie season, professionally in New Haven. No. So you can Google the Beast of New Haven. Uh, we had a gargoyle on the front. It was like a lime fluorescent green. Oh, nice gargoyle. The numbers were lime green, and when we first started. The name bar was also a lime green. <laughs> we had to change those because the radio caller had no chance. It just looked like a blur flying across the ice. So they switched them to a the dark navy blue that was on the shoulders uh, for our name bar. The numbers stayed green along with the gargoyle. One of the people ranked them quite high. They do like the gargoyle. Um, if you're ever in beautiful New Haven, Connecticut, use that term lightly. There are gargoyles on the buildings around downtown. Uh, home of Yale. I didn't believe anybody when I first got there until I went to Yale. Not, I didn't go there. Um, I walked by it. Yeah. You were allowed on the, on the campus, on the grounds. Sirens started going off when I stepped on campus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, by the way, the Philadelphia Flyers, the black on black jerseys, yeah. those can... Was there? They did, when they did the gold... For their, what season was after them? Oh, it would have been their 50th. 50th? Yeah. I but, like those. Yeah. The, um, yeah, when they put the black on black, and I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but that is not popular even with their announcers mm. because it's hard to, to pick that up. But you just, you, you pick up tendencies, and then what you do, honestly, like if I know that Shane, and this is where the old school used to be great, if I see Shane Willis on the ice, I know who his center is going to be. Yeah, ninety nine percent of the time. So you you just pick up players and you go from there. But good question, Howie. What's uh, what was your all time favorite uni? Like anything because you played over in Europe that I wore. Evidently, evidently the uh, <laughs> the beast of beast New Haven. Of New Haven ranks up there. I mean, besides the Canes. Besides the Canes. Um, I really liked the one I wore in uh, Linsherping, Sweden. It was a cool lion head on the front of the jersey. I liked it. You got, got to, one in my drawer. You got to Tampa when they still had the circle, right? And it said Tampa Bay Lightning on it? Yeah. Yeah. And the lightning bolt on the pants. <laughs> Natural. All right. Uh, let's see. Another question coming in. This one from Eric Tulski's brain. So that's the name oh. is. What was your favorite game from last season? Um, the 
the win in Madison Square Garden to clinch clinch the Metro. The Metro was a game. Kochetkov. There was a lot to it. Um, it was an exciting game. Yeah. Uh, the the overtime win in Calgary. That's what I was about to say. Sebastian Ajo. Sebastian Ajo. Coast to coast. Uh, the 2 nothing shutout of Colorado here. That was a great Auntie Ronta did that. But for me, the Max Domi Game 7 game against the Boston Bruins, because twofold, you beat the Boston Bruins where you kind of exercise a demon. But just everybody was going into that. You know, oh, you can't can't win on the road, can't win on the road. Well, Boston wasn't winning on the road, so, you know, it's – but you go into that game, Max Domi, who Don Waddell in the front office go and get, you know, for a little punch to help you get through. He steps up and has that huge game, everything that comes with it. That That's a memorable game for me. Uh, anytime yeah. you get to a game seven and it goes the the way for the team that you want to see win, that's usually the one that stands out there. That's That's a big one for me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. Oh, God. It's hard to say there's one. So many. But I'll go with that. I'll agree with you. Because it knocked knocked out <laughs> yes. Boston. And the Canes advanced. That's yes, really the did. bigger part of that one. So uh, here's a good one for you from person in North Carolina. If the whole team had a rock, paper, scissors match, who would win and why? Well, I know that if there was a golf match and I have Brady Shea, that I'm going to win that. Untrue. True. Coming soon. True. <laughs> Truth. My game's tight right now. I'm, that's great. It's going to need Come to on, be. Come on, Seabass. It's going to need to be. Um, I will make sure that Brady is hydrated <laughs> and his clubs are cleaned off. Um, Who would win? I love how that you want to make this like a straight-up Ryder really Cup where we're going to do al- alternating shot and everything. I'm go with Jesper Faust. Why? Oh, it looks cagey. Uh... Jordan Stahl, he's got big hands, so at the last second he can change him. No, it's too slow. You can see him f- cheating. <laughs> First off, man doesn't cheat. He's the captain. Uh, Competitive-wise, how do you bet against Sebastian Ajo? He tries to win literally every game that the Canes play in the locker room. So I'd put Ajo out there. Maybe that'll be a Canes Vision video this year. Maybe it will be. Championship. Championship. Tournament of champions. Are you listening, Canes Vision? We have that set up. Do the bracket. We're having a golf tournament. We're doing paper, rock, scissors. Uh, speaking of golf, this comes in from Daniel Wagner. How many more rounds of golf until hockey season? If I had my way, <laughs> as many as possible. <laughs> I mean, what days? How many days are to camp? Can we get in 20? Unlimited amount. Yeah, we could. Got to play like 36 it. somewhere. Yeah. I do know this. Let's turn down the humidity the next time you and I play together. I mean, this past week was beautiful. No, my... my where I golfed this past week was beautiful yeah, as well. I, yes, you. you I, I just remember you and I went golfing at uh, beautiful Hope Valley Country Club, and our good friend Doctor Scott McGarry, who was our our gracious host. The thing that I remember the most about that was I think I drank eighty bottles of water, and you turned to me and you're like, "Are you?" Uh, I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, I've sweated out everything." You could have used a shirt change. I could have used four shirt changes. As long as you don't get caught in a storm like that last time. Oh, oh I think we could play one more. <laughs> Great idea. I was, my game was heating up. I was the only voice of reason. We should turn back. because, And, of course, I hit my best drive of the day. You did. 
And I should have been the one going, no, we should keep playing. And I'm like, no, we should turn back. Mm. And then trees started falling. <laughs> like George Clooney disaster movies are Wait, made it was from what close to looking like Caddyshack. <laughs> and the Lord wouldn't ruin Shane Willis's day. We didn't day. test it. We did not test it. You, we tested it for one hole too many. I made a par. Of course, you're going to remember what you made. I did not. <laughs> Leave it at that. Uh, this from Raven. Who's your favorite Star Wars character? This one could be easy. I mean, uh, Luke Skywalker, of course, is up there. Yoda's Yoda. Uh, Vader is the bad guy and one of the best that's out there. But, I mean, it's Han Solo. Yours is Han. Coolest guy in the galaxy, man. I like the Ewoks. Ewoks. <laughs> I was not going to put you on the Ewoks. I was literally going to say, I can see it. What? The Ewoks? Yeah. Big Ewok guy. All right. Well, good to know. Yeah. I haven't, I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't seen many of the new ones. Yeah. Just old school. I'm missing too much. They're fine. I, I enjoyed them, but there's no reason to watch that. Uh, if, if you just stick with the old ones. And then there's Lando Calrissian, which if you watch the movie that's just about Han Solo, mm-hmm. he becomes even cooler. Oh, but so does Han. So I'll go with Solo. That's my guy. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. There we go. And uh, that's it. That's it for questions. That's it. We made it through. All right. We made it through the comeback episode. So next week, you're in town. I'm in town. Yes. You're here. I'm here. So it'll be our time. We'll do another episode. We might bring back our friend Scott Burnside. Maybe some guests. A couple of guests working on guests. We've had a couple lined up, and they just have fallen yeah. through. Guys are getting back in town, so maybe we'll get somebody on. I'm going to make sure that we get a couple of guests next week. Tune in. Find out who. Shane Willis will be here. Ah, I don't go many places. Good to see you, my friend. Good to see you back, Michael. Mahalo. Aloha, my friend. I don't know what that means. It means thank you and <laughs> goodbye. Did you bring anything home for me? Yeah, I did, actually. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> but we can't discuss that here. Quick, let's sign off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it'll be good in your coffee. I'll leave it at that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, We'll do this again next week. For Shane Willis, I'm Mike Maniscalco. Thanks for listening to Kane's Cast.